Hey everyone, this is Amos for Just Me and Amos Podcast. I have Brad from the Confirmed Epic Podcast, and we talk about Wonder Woman. We also talk about our comic book picks of the week. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Hey everyone, this is Amos for Just Being Amos Podcast. I got a guest today. Y'all know him very well. I have Brad with me. He's from the Hollywood Foothills of North Carolina of the Confirmed Epic Podcast. Also, check out his blog on the epicreview.com. I saying that right, Brad? That's right. Absolutely right. All right. That's what I'm talking about. So, I don't know if everybody knows me really well, but I'm I'm honored to be on this show tonight, Amos, because you were on my podcast uh, last month reviewing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So it's always awesome to repay the favor and come on your podcast. But it's been about a year since I've been on your podcast. I think it was like San Diego Comic-Con last year. Oh, that's been a long time. You're right. It's been a while. It's been a very long time. Man, what you been doing in the meantime, Brad? Well, I'm a school teacher full time. So actually today was the last day of school for students. I teach a week of summer school so I can pay for HeroCon in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I got uh, to do that, unfortunately, not this week, but the next. But this isn't an educational podcast. This is an entertainment podcast. Uh, I've been... Talking a lot of Wonder Woman on my own show. Andrew and I reviewed it on episode 64 of the Confirmed Epic Podcast. But I'm honored to be on here doing the Wonder Woman review with you as well. I saw The Mummy today, like literally probably an hour before we started this podcast. And I know you kind of want me to talk about that later. Yeah, Um, I really do. I want you to talk about it. I don't know if I want to go see it because remember that that movie was in our top ten. It was. It was. You were on that episode. That was the same episode. We did our top 10 most anticipated films of summer 2017. And I give a big shout out to you for being on that because that's a pain in the ass episode to do. Uh, Am I allowed to say ass on here? Yeah, man. Come on. This is my podcast, dude. I I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure. Nothing political, though. We keep that out the bag. I'm going to do that. Anything else you can say? Well, what? I really wanted to talk about the James Comey testimony. Nah, I'm not going to. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, No. (laughs) I'm kind of in a laid back uh, mood tonight because house all to myself. My wife's out of town. I'm free to podcast to the wee hours of the morning, man. So uh, I'm I'm just going to be cash because you are the host. You got the pressure on you, Amos. Well, I'm not had the pressure on me, dude, because you know what? I'm laid back kind of guy. So. I think this podcast is going to come out pretty well, man. They all so my do. First, yeah, my first um, question to me, well, one of the questions for you tonight is, um, 
we're gonna start off talking about the mummy first. I know we had a um thing to do, whatever. We're gonna talk about mummy. Because okay. mummy was one of the top ten movies that we picked not in your last podcast I did with you. And I had I think at number nine on my list. I did too. Nine or ten. I, either one. Uh so after watching Tom Cruise running, like always. <laughs> so what did you think about the mummy? Uh, I think it's got a lot of problems. It is a film that starts out very strong. The first act with them kind of, I don't want to, they discover the mummy. I think that's pretty obvious from the trailers. I'm not going to try to spoil the film too much here, but you've seen the trailers. There's that whole plane crash scene. Uh, there's a good dynamic kind of built up between Jake Johnson and Tom Cruise Right. And it, it has a strong sit-up. So this film's got like 25% or something on Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm like, this is going to be god-awful. I mean, Baywatch had like the same thing. I and mean, I'm expecting a train wreck. And the movie's only an hour and 47 minutes. So I'm sitting there about 30 minutes in. This is a really good act, summer action film. Nothing special, but it's kind of a turn-your-brain-off, turn-the-AC-on kind of chill movie. It's a straight popcorn entertainment movie. No, no thought on it, anything. Just plain entertainment. Well, that's what I thought. And that's what the first act was. And the first right. act was great. Great action scenes. Like you said, a lot of Tom Cruise running around. Uh, they set up the origin of this female mummy very well. When they get out of the Middle East and get back to that, actually kind of like Wonder Woman, they go to London. They don't go to the United States, oddly enough. And that threat kind of hits domestically in the West. It just it doesn't begin to fall apart. It's still solid. It's still good. It's not great. The ending is atrocious. And I don't mean... The, the action set piece at the end is actually a really good underwater set piece. Involved, and you know that costs a lot of money. Right. Uh, and I, I'm watching this movie, Amos. It's shot beautifully. It's directed by Alex Kurtzman. Of, uh, from Transformers and uh, yeah. the, the producer and, and writer, whatever. He's real tight with J.J. Abrams. Him and a guy named Robert Orsi or a writing tandem, Orsi and Kurtzman, they wrote a lot of blockbusters in the, they wrote the first Star Trek movie. Uh, and they wrote, wrote a lot of blockbusters in the mid to the late 2000s. They're, they're hit or miss screenwriters, but this was Kurtzman's first uh, directorial gig. So I, I, his, he shot the film very well. They spent a crap ton of money on this movie, but the movie looks more expensive than it actually is. I, I'm watching this film. I'm like, this is a $200 million budget, but it came in at $125 million. I don't know if well, that is marketing or not. Well, you know, you think it's going to um, make the $125 million. I know it's not going to be uh, Wonder Woman this week at all. No. Um I think it's going to make that back. Sure, internationally, it's already made in Thursday night showings. It's made, I think, uh, twenty million dollars. That's internationally. I think this is going to be a bigger hit overseas than it is in the states. But going back to talking about the film, um, the, I said that underwater scene's pretty good. A lot of the 
the action in the middle of the movie doesn't flow well. Again, I'm not trying to spoil this film. How they resolve the central conflict of the film is one of the worst resolutions I've seen in a while in blockbuster cinema. But you got to figure this. Got to um, um, think about this though. They're already right. trying to set up this joint, this shared universe once again. Uh, one of the formulas Marvel uses for their movies, right? Called a dark universe. So I, probably that's the reason why it ended the way it ended. You said, you know, because they try into it. Yeah, so they, that's probably the reason why. Like I said, I never, I haven't seen the movie yet, but you did. But me thinking, they are, they are trying to um, have this shared universe and everything, trying to connect the monster universe they got going. Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, Invisible Man. No, all the monsters. Yeah, the monster from the creature from the Black Lagoon. I was joking with my friend. Did he see the Invisible Man cameo? He didn't because he was invisible. You get it? All right, really terrible joke. But I will say that I was surprised because when they're pushing this dark universe, because when the it's universal and once that little globe rolls. It says dark universe. Oh, okay. like, yeah, that surprised me. And they introduced Russell Crowe, who is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I figured we would see more of the Jekyll than we did the Hyde, but you saw both. Russell Crowe is really good. None of the performances are bad. The performances are great. Just how they resolve the central conflict along with how they handle one character's death. Right, it, it brought it down about a, a couple notches for me. If I was rating this film on our scale, where we go crap, eh, good, great, epic, I would probably give this about an and a half, so about a two and a half out of five. It's worth watching on Blu-ray, whether it's you know on demand, Redbox, whatever. It's worth watching at home. It's not worth seeing at the theater probably however it did leave me interested to see where they go with this dark universe okay i, I, I i'm going to check it out eventually um but, but i'm going to see wonder woman again that's that's going to be my movie that sounds like a better idea than seeing the mummy yeah or captain underpants i can go that route yeah i'm not interested in that <laughs> I'm joking, man. I don't want to go see Underpants. I figure if I ever have kids, it'll be plenty enough time for those type of movies. Really? You don't want to see Captain Underpants? Come on, man. Come on. No, I do want to see Coco. That new trailer came out for that Pixar film. So it looks decent, man. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. That trailer for that. So Mommy gets an A out of two out of, yeah, 2.5 out of five, you say? Yes, Amos. That's what I'd give it. I wouldn't rush out to go see it. Okay, okay. Now, so far, you've seen The Mummy. You've seen Alien Covenant. You've <laughs> seen Guardians of the Galaxy. You've seen Wonder Woman. That's now, right. some, of these, some of these uh, movies were in our top ten. Most of them were. And most of them were. And out of the ones you've seen so far, Guardians of the Galaxy and Wonder Woman are the winners right so far. Yeah, I was tremendously disappointed by Alien Covenant because that film had so much potential and they just did not capitalize on it. I don't even know if the potential was here with The Mummy. It was with Alien Covenant. I will say that 
this summer's been kind of hit or miss. Hey, it's far from being over. We got Dunkirk, Spider-Man Homecoming. We got uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. Uh, I, that, may not, that may not be the name of it. I don't know. Transformers, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah they showed a preview for that, which I've seen a couple times. And uh, we don't want to review. I want to review this film on my podcast. No, no. And let me review that because, remember, I, last year I did a podcast about the last night, and I thought it was a dumb idea. Anyway. Okay, so uh, let me ask you this, and I got you. We're live on yeah. YouTube right now, and I know this podcast will be published on iTunes and SoundCloud and stuff. Will you review Transformers The Last Night on my podcast with me? I will. Okay, because, I will. all right, I'm going to hold you to that because Amos – my colleague, podcasting partner slash friend, Andrew Stokes, a.k.a. Andrew Stokes, will not go see it unless we get a donation for his ticket of $7. <laughs> so if you want to donate $7, click the donate link at the epicreview.com. But it's been a tremendous year for superhero stuff like you, Guardians, Wonder Woman, Logan, Legion. The Arrow finale was just Incredible. Yeah, don't spoil it for me because I haven't seen. I'm trying to binge watch that on Netflix right now. No, I'm not. I'm binging that. I'm binging The Flash. I might binge Supergirl. I don't know yet. But um, don't say anything about that because I'm watching episode seven now. So I got plenty more to go. Stick with it. it. Stick with it's it. Eight. It's worth it. So, Mommy gets 2.5. Now, I'm going to our comic books, you know what I'm saying? And um, I got a comic book that I really, really enjoy reading. It's only a second issue right now. It's by Aftershock comic, Comics, and it's called Pestilence. Now, we know what pestilence is and everything like that. You know, it's all biblical when, you know, you got famine, pestilence, or, you know, the apocalypse stuff, right? Yeah, and that, that also is in the X-Men, too. Right. So I kind of picked this up uh, the other one week, I mean, last week or two weeks ago. And I was looking through it. And I'm like, man, this is pretty interesting, man. You know, I see some people that work for the Vatican. You have knights. You know, it's kind of, of a book of historical, have historical things in it, um, with religion and stuff like that. And I said, I go pick it up and I read it. And I'm reading it, man. I'm like, this is damn good. And I couldn't wait for the second book. What's the premise of the book? And the premise of the book is this. You have this knight. You know, he works for the Vatican. The last knight, right? From Transformers. Yeah, he, they could, could kiss balls. Right, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to do it. I know you had to. Man. I had to, kick, I had to kiss, kiss balls on that, man. But Yeah, Devastator's a- balls from Transformers 2. The wrecking balls. <laughs> right. Go ahead. I'm, I'm awful. Yeah, I'm not, that's all right, man. Go ahead, get your jokes and everything. Once, once last night come out, and I, I, I'm gonna sit through that movie, just, <laughs> just balling my fists and pulling out my hair, and I'm gonna be on your podcast. You probably not having you on there anymore. I'll tell you what, if um, you have a do, if you have a donate tab on your your uh, site or whatever, I'll donate seven bucks if you'll go yeah, see it. Just put on my PayPal account, man. This it's my email account, paceamos at yahoo.com. Hit me up. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. I got, I got so, you. So, so pestilence, man, is 
it said in the um what year uh, during the crusade you know the vatican you know the, they want to um anybody who doesn't agree with the church are either heathens or they uh worship the devil or you know how it was back in the day and um unfortunately right and so this night and his bunch of his um knights his friends whatever they are on a mission and their mission is trying to kill this guy who went rogue and they finally got him and they killed him whatever whatever and suddenly this this other knight had a letter right and all of a sudden he's leaning over and he like he's dead but which he's not all of a sudden he bites one of the other guys and come to find out the man's a zombie so this is doing a crusade and this is all about zombies but it's a different take and it's, it's kind of it's weird but at the same time it's uh, entertaining so i kind of picked it up man it's, it's been after aftershock and aftershock been putting out some great books in the past year or so so i gave it a chance and so far i really enjoyed it man is it more of a, a zombie book, or is it more like an epidemic book, like something like Contagion? You think it's like a plague, but it's not a plague, like the bubonic plague, the black plague, and all that stuff. Yeah, it's nothing like it's it's nothing like that. But at first, it seemed, but it wasn't because you can understand during that time they don't know the zombies. They think it's just people possessed by demons and worship Satan. You know. Well, that's how, like, the Salem Witch Trials were. And this is the history teacher coming out in me. Right. I mean, it was a lot of people who had uh, schizophrenia, manic depression. Yeah, mental illness. They had all mental illness. Yeah, and they thought they were possessed or they were witches and all this stuff. And that's where you had – that was a lot of the Salem Witch Trial stuff. Yeah, it was all the – it was a witch hunt. And so it's – but this book is uh, pretty interesting, man. I kind of – I recommend you picking it up. If you know, if you like zombies and stuff like that, and if you are like you say, like history, I kind of like recommend picking this book up. Who writes it and who does the art? Um, the art, okay, gotta bear with me, man. Okay, now I don't want to butcher nobody's name. You know, I want to <laughs> mess somebody's name. Up. I think the artist's name is Ogleg Openib. It sounds like like a Russian that name. Sound, that sounds about right. Yeah, so a, a friend of Donald Trump. <laughs> no, I told you, man. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be, man. If I want to talk about Agent Orange, I talk about Agent Orange. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry, but no. Um, but yeah, that's the artist. I I taught uh, AP Gov for the first time this year, and it was a lot of work. It was a lot of fun, though. And I had really good kids for the most part. And uh, you, usually when we teach something like American history, we don't want to get too political, right? We, we want to just cover the historical aspects. But for AP Gov, it's very political. Right. And you have to talk about the stuff that's going on. You have to remain impartial, you know, stay in the middle, show here's the conservative side, here's the liberal side. So I've been in this mindset of actually talking politics this whole school year. But it is it's kind of depressing, it's tiring, so I'll try not to do it again. But but then you know, it's not everyday life that what we deal with every day now. You know, yeah. this is the landscape we are living in right now. So you can't can't not think about it, you know. But it's not everyday life. Hey, at least we don't have pestilence. So who's the other person on the creative team? Um, we have Marshall Dillon. He's a creative he's the the letterer, Rob Schweigner. 
colorist and Frank T Terry, I believe. Do you I have the know, book? Not... Hold up the book because we're live. The book's right here, see? Yeah. That's, that's, see? Mm -hmm. Here you go. So it's just nice art in there, too. I like the art. How many really issues nice. is it up to? It's on issue two right now. So plenty so of time not... to catch up. No, it's plenty of time. And um, I, I like to uh, get something new and something different. Like we said once before, um, Image, Marvel, DC. You know, I also get the other like Titan Comics, no Titan Comics and Titan Studio, all kind of independent studios, man. They got good stuff out there. So this is one of the books that I really, really been enjoying right now. So I know you've been reading the button. For those who don't know, the button is a story art, a storyline with the Flash and Batman. One of my favorite characters, the Flash and the Batman, both DC characters. Same here. So. Back in Rebirth, the one shot they did last year, or was it two years? Was it last year? Yeah, it was last year. It was like spring 2016. Yeah. So there was, there was this one shot. And Rebirth was, like I said, a rebirth of all the stuff going on in D.C., a fresh start. So that storyline came from that book. And the button is the button from the Watchmen. What was, what's the Watchmen name? The Comedian. The Comedian. The Comedian, right. So... I was reading it and I said, man, I can't wait to read it, man. And I'll tell you this, Brad. I was very satisfied with the I mean with the storyline. And it's it begs the question, is Dr. Manhattan really behind all of these things? Or is it someone else? See, I, I love the Watchmen. I think the worst thing you can do as a comic book fan is start out reading the Watchmen because it deconstructs the superhero genre. And if you're not familiar with comics, it's not going to serve you any purpose. Right. Um, so take it with a grain of salt. Don't try to analyze the Watchmen, enjoy the Watchmen. I hate that. I don't want to sound pretentious or niche, but it really is kind of a, a comic book type thing for comic book lovers. However, I, if you would have told me they're going to bring the Watchmen into the main DC universe, I would have been very apprehensive, excited though, because I love these characters. I really like Dr. Manhattan. I think of all the characters in the Watchmen movie by Zack Snyder, they uh, got Dr. Manhattan's backstory. That was probably the most well-done part of that film. I'm really excited with what's going on here. Uh, they had the perfect out of uh, New 52. They did. What was it called? Flashpoint, Flashpoint gave them an out. And even beyond that, Dr. Manhattan may have been pulling the strings of the entire DC Comics universe. And I think that's a very clever way by Jeff Johns and company to bring the Watchmen into the mainstream DC, DC universe. Yeah. I, I think that's a pretty smart move. You know, so what did you think about bringing back Zoom? First when was the uh, reverse flash? Yeah. Um, Eobard Thon, as he's called, or as I call him, Tom Cavanaugh, even though he's not really Tom. It's really confusing on the Flash TV show because it was Tom Cavanaugh, but it really wasn't Tom Cavanaugh, and there's like three Tom Cavanaughs. But I digress. <laughs> I love Reverse Flash. Uh, it was it was a good uh, hook to start the story with. It, it's always really, and this is one of the draws of Justice League. 
and Batman in general, because with Batman's popularity, they tend to put him in so many books. But to see Zoom interact with Batman, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil it too much. But well, you and, know what? The button been out for a while now, man. I think everybody really knows what's going on. You can go ahead and spoil it. I do not care. Okay, I, mean, I don't mind. I just wanted to check with you since this your podcast. Um, how he shows up in uh, he shows up in the Batcave as Batman's analyzing this. The letter that his dad gave him, the, mm-hmm. the only flashpoint that Flash gave to Batman. Yeah, yeah and, Flash gave Batman the, the letter from his dad from the Flashpoint timeline. That's it. I would recommend that even if you hated the New 52 uh, and you're kind of back on board with DC with Rebirth, I know that's a lot of people that I know, to go back and read Flashpoint because it, it really has a lot to do with what's going on now. And I totally agree because I didn't really get into Flashpoint. I went back and got the trade. Same here. Yeah, so I got the trade and read. I read it and I liked it. So, like you said, it's just coming back to where Flashpoint started. And um, and the great thing about that scene with Batman, when Batman called Barry about the button and the way the panel was set up in the book, it was doing like seconds. Remember yeah. how he said, I'll be there in, I don't know how many seconds, 30 seconds, I think he said. In them 30 seconds, Batman was getting his ass beat by reverse flash. And that don't happen much with Batman. That don't happen too much. <laughs> it doesn't. So, and, and Batman held, he held his ground, man. And he and what was killed me, he thought, reverse flash thought he had Batman down. And Batman being Batman, finally got a batarang and stuck it in his, had stabbed Reverse flash in the foot with it. And I'm like, damn. And Batman started going, going, started hitting. I'm like, okay, this is the Batman that we know. But man, he was getting his behind handed to him in that panel. I think what was really cool about this book is to see that the two detectives team up. So you got the world's greatest detective, Batman. I guess maybe the Sherlock Holmes. And like you said, you have Barry, who's a CSI. Yeah. Yeah, the forensics. And I thought that was pretty cool, you know, two uh, guys who almost think alike. One has a different demeanor than the other guy. You know, but they they think alike as far as it comes to crime. You know, Barry is more lighthearted, you know, this and that. You know, Batman believes in justice, but he does in his own way. Because Barry is revered as a hero, but Batman is revered as a vigilante. So it's a difference. If I have. I know, since we're talking about this book as a whole from start to finish, it was four parts. It was Batman 21, 22, Flash 21, and 22. Did a lot really happen in this book? There's an emotional, crazy reunion between Thomas Wayne and Bruce Wayne, which the whole book is worth reading just to see that. Let me ask you this right here. What do you think about that? When he finally met his dad for since his dad died, he got shot. What do you think about that interaction right there, that panel of that page? See, unlike you, I get my comics at the end of the month because I do discount comic book services, and uh, so I, so I'm finishing up. I just finished up the button like a week last weekend, and I always stack my Batman books at the top because I read those first because he's my favorite character. And the re- th- this had such an emotional punch in the gut for me to see Thomas Wayne and Batman, Bruce Wayne interact. The letter f- 
from Flashpoint was emotional enough when Barry brought that back. I mean, that really hit me hard there. But to see them together and to know that they're not going to be able to stay together. But I, I think the the big thing for me is Thomas Wayne doesn't want his son to be back. To be back, man. Yeah, I, I thought that I had the same thought also. And and after that whole thing, he and after is talking to Bruce Wayne, and Bruce Wayne just looking outside the window. He is so he is contemplating what his dad said. You know, live your life. In other words, don't be Batman. That sounds very reminiscent of what Alfred told him in The Dark Knight Rises. Oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. You think about it, he, how he saw him in that cafe. Spoilers for The Dark Knight Rises, or did he see him? I guess it's a Nolan movie, so it's up for interpretation. But I, it reminded me a lot of that. The two father figures in Bruce's life, Alfred and uh, Thomas Wayne, they don't want them their son pretty much to be Batman. And to see him say that, there's also an interesting moment in which Thomas picks up a gun and he doesn't, Bruce doesn't want him to use the gun. Yes, I I read, yeah, that was pretty interesting too. Yeah, that was some pretty powerful stuff. So that alone is worth reading the book. The action stuff between Batman and Reverse Flash, as you hit on earlier. But this book is really a setup for Doomsday Clock. More yeah, and I'm looking, at I'm looking at that. I'm like, Doomsday Clock. And then Superman, like, oh, my goodness. We have Doomsday again. I was like, oh, well. And uh, I'm not a big fan of Doomsday. Honestly, I'm not. But I don't think it's going to be like Doomsday, the, the villain from Superman. I think it's something to do with uh, Dr. Manhattan. You think so? Yeah, I think that's what it's going to be. Um this is going to be crazy good, I think, in November. And there's there's been this rumor since DC Rebirth started that Dr. Manhattan's it's been alluded to, has been pulling the strings. So everything you've seen basically throughout all the crisis and whatnot has been at the result of Dr. Manhattan. And there may be three Jokers. You may have the main Joker, the new 52 Joker, and comedian may have been one of the jokers, right? And to me, that's batshit. But you know what? Another thing, if you haven't been reading some of the, you read Detective Comics. Mm-hmm. Now you know um, Robin is this—he's gone. He's not dead. All right, Tim Drake. Tim Drake. Tim Drake. Robin. He's not dead. He's held up somewhere. That same person that got him also got um, a guy called the Keymaster. This was in a uh, Titan versus Justice League uh, annual, I believe. What is this character's name? He's in green. It almost looks like the Spectre, but it's not. I don't know. I don't know. I got to do more research on it. I don't think they said it yet. Yeah, well, he, he's there, and that's kind of crazy, man. It's just little pieces. But it's giving us breadcrumbs right now what's going on. But like you said, at the end of Button um, 24 of the Flash, I believe, also, Jay Garrick showed up, and he was going for a while. Yeah, but he wasn't there long. He wasn't there long. That's right. So, and Barry said, um, "Batman said, you know him." Barry said, "No," and he kept told Barry to remember the same thing happened to Wally West. He had to remember. Told Barry to remember because he was out of 
Because you have the black Wally who was in New 52, right? right. And then you have the, the classic Wally who showed back up at the beginning of Rebirth. Right. And so I like, I hope they bring Jay Garrett back, which they are. They might bring him back during the Doomsday. So all, all in all, what did you think about the button, the whole storyline? I think it's a great story that's going to lead to epic stories. I'd give it a, a four out of five. I Here's what kind of interests me about this whole thing is Watchmen is one of the it, – it, it's arguably the biggest graphic novel ever made up there with, like, The Dark Knight Returns and, and yeah. whatnot. Um, yeah, Alan Moore did an excellent job on that book. Yeah, but – and this stuff has been well-received, all this DC Rebirth stuff. But when DC did before Watchmen with the best writers in comics at the time, people like J. Michael Straczynski, right? That yeah, yeah, Adam Hughes though in the art too. Yeah, that crapped the bed. Like that did not sell well. So it's weird that Watchmen's back. I I like the way they're subtly bringing it back. It's not like the Watchmen are back. I'm sure it will be once they are back. And I think that's a smart move to do. Just like I said, just put pieces and little pieces of breadcrumbs and just don't put it out there in your face. And I think that works fine. I want to give DC some props too, because Jeff Johns, who's helped write this book, but is the chief creative officer at DC now, mm-hmm. DC yeah. Entertainment. He was saying that when they launched DC Rebirth, that within the next 18 to 24 months, there would only be one to two big event books. What I took that as books that take place outside of the main title. So the button wouldn't be one of these, right? Because it's It's Flash and Batman. So I like how they're keeping these smaller stories contained within a family or two, two titles. And that makes the big events when they do them mean more. Yeah. It's meaningful. It's mean more. I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree, and I hope Marvel takes that um, take that approach. But then again, after Secret Empire, they said this is it, and that goes into our next book. And speaking of Secret Empire, Amos, why don't you tell the listeners what Captain America, Steve Rogers, Captain America, and you can go Sam Wilson if you want to, means to you as a character? Captain America, that's it, Steve Rogers. Captain America for me. It is a character that believes what's going on in America and he believes what's right and what's wrong. That's the Steve Rogers, Captain America. And also the Sam Wilson, Captain America. I think we want to do the right thing. You know, want to live up to the um, name of Steve Rogers. And I think um, they, he did a pretty good job, but then all of a sudden, Captain America is now a Hydra agent, Hydra, whatever. They all screwed that up. But to me, Captain America is 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 pretty good. I mean, just what it is. You believe what's right and wrong. You know, what you think about Captain America, Brad? Captain America is probably my third or fourth favorite superhero. I would go. Top five, uh, Batman's 1A, Spider-Man's 1B. I'll count them as number one. So I know that's kind of cheating. Number two would probably be Cap. Number three, Iron Man. Number four, Wolverine. 
Number five. No Deadpool? No, I don't like Deadpool that much like you. Um, I, I think <laughs> I, I respect his place, and I enjoyed the movie, and I, I enjoy his comics sometimes, but they're kind of oversaturation. Uh, well, let so, me tell you about that character, man. I agree with what you just said, the oversaturation of that character, but what character have not been old been used so many times? Wolverine is one of them. Yeah, and, and he's so, in my top. So. Yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah, in Spider-Man, I don't know. Now, well, you know, Spider-Man also. Spider-Man at one time was an Avenger, a Fantastic Four, his own books. <laughs> yeah. So with the iconic heroes they use, they put them in every damn thing. So, I mean, come on. You know why they do that? It's because people like me, let's say this, I love Batman, so I'm going to cut back on comics. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to read stuff Batman's in. Well, if they put Batman in everything, I can't do that. That's and what I'm saying. That's brilliant marketing on their part. And that's another thing, you know, for like the, like the big events you say, you get Batman. Now, for instance, Marvel does this a lot. So you get Spider-Man. So you got this big event. And all of a sudden, Spider-Man ties in. Okay. You like Wolverine. Wolverine ties in. So you get yeah. it just... It's, it's a revolving door, man, over and over again. So, I mean, I spend about a hundred a month on comics. I don't. The only other thing I buy is like four. I just got a four K TV, so like I started getting four K Blu rays and stuff. But that's all I buy. I don't really spend like I don't hunt, I don't fish, or I don't golf or anything like that. I would be lying. I do get the NFL Sunday ticket. Yeah, and I see Power Rangers in the back there too, sir. Hey, that was those are my original Power Rangers from when I was a kid. I took really good care of those things. Uh, kudos to you, my friend. Yeah, kudos. My turtles <laughs> didn't get the same kind of love and care. It's probably so. I'd say Superman would be number five, maybe Wonder Woman number six, and I'll tell you why later on. And it doesn't have to do necessarily with the movie, but Secret Empire. Go ahead, Amos. Yeah, so Secret Empire. Now, in Secret Empire, you know, it's the new Marvel Marvel big event, like they always do. Come to find out, Captain America is not the Captain America that we thought. So, all of a sudden, Captain America is like an agent. I mean, a Hydra agent. But the reason is this. He's not a clone. He's not from an alternate reality. He's not uh, brainwashed. Come he's to find a, out. Not a life model decoy. And not like, no, he's not a scroll. He's not a safe shifter. Yeah, that's a lot of tropes there we covered. It is, isn't it? So he's not on none of those things. So Captain America is now a Hydra. He's Supreme Hydra Supreme, now how you want to say Supreme Hydra, whatever. The way he became that the way he became Hydra is because of the cosmic cube. Kobach. And he kind of rewrote his whole history. So this happened during the Pleasant Hill um, event they had last year. And she he was old, and she made him young again. And so also she rewrote his history. So the cube, became, the cube became sentient and was a little girl. Right, right. So that because of Maria Hill and Shield, they want to, like, control the um, villains and make them normal. And that was against the will. That was against the law. Can't do that. <laughs> so anyway this is what's going on with Secret Empire so what's the best way to trick the um, heroes right 
someone they really trust betrays them is Captain America, and people couldn't believe that. You know? So I think right now, man, Secret Empire for me, I'm reading it, see what's going to be the outcome of it. As of right now, man, I, it was, this is the last event that I will probably be reading for Marvel. And what Marvel said, if the next, what, 18 months, there's no big events. Yeah, so basically they say, you know, about a year and a half, no big events. half. So, I mean, I want to I wait and see if this is going to happen because after Secret Empire, you have uh, Generation. That's Legacy. not an event, but Generations is like a big thing. Yeah, it is a big thing. It's like 10 books. Amos, I, I was I was pre-ordering my cop because I had to pre-order them like two months ahead through previews, and I was pre-ordering the uh, ones. I guess it would be for August right now, and that's when Generations starts to come out. And I thought the Generations were just going to be like one shots, but they're not. They're going to have like multiple Hulk issues, multiple Phoenix issues. I thought it's going to be a weekly. I think it's going to be a weekly book it's for the month of August. I know that's not an event, but price wise, it's basically an event. An event. Yeah, price wise, yeah, not that, yeah, you're right because it's like generation, like you got multiple hosts, Wolverines, Captain America. Uh, These books have been four ninety nine, Amos. Oh God, I think I'm gonna skip one of some couple of old books because I already get Spider Man and Wolverine already, so I might pick up. Thor, I might pick that up, but I think the other ones I'm gonna leave alone. I'm not gonna get in that. So, Brad, what did you think about Secret Empire so far? Because right now you want issue what two? No, I've read through three. So I read zero. You were very kind enough to send me your free comic book day issue. You had a spare copy of. He mailed it to me. So thank you, Amos. You're very welcome, man. Which was kind of like. Yeah, kind of like a zero and a half issue. So I read, and then one, two, and three. The thing about this event, and I don't want to get too political, but it does hit really close to home. The timing of this is, when I say timing, I don't mean in the in the Marvel Comics universe. I mean in real life, the political landscape. Yeah, That's right. In real life. Now, I had on my show Emma Moore, who's an aspiring comic book writer slash artist on episode 58 of the Confirmed Epic podcast, and we were talking about Secret Empire. And she was telling me about Nick Spencer, and I did not know this. I just knew Nick Spencer from comics, but apparently he was at one point a a Republican politician, so he's a failed politician. So the fact that these political themes show up in this book, although makes sense. <laughs> they make sense, but I mean, this is like the political themes turned up to 10. This is nationalism. This is jingoism, like, which is extreme nationalism. Um, I, it, it hurts because it's cap, but is it really cap? Can I spoil issue three? What did Capcom, you can go ahead and spoil it because they showed up in issue two. Yeah, because apparently older Steve Rogers shows up somewhere in there. Right. And it's and it's really confusing how they're going to handle this. Because when I read that and he said, okay, is this in his head or is it somewhere else? I couldn't really wrap my mind around it. But my problem was this. I'm For issue number, was it one or two? 
two. Was it issue two, I believe? When Rick Jones. Oh, yeah. Know, Rick Jones. Oh, my goodness. Rick Jones has been in the hero community. You know, he's not a hero himself. He's been a bomb, a bomb. He was like part of the Hulk thing. Dude, he, he was in Incredible Hulk number one. Yeah, he was there. He was he, um, Hulk's friend. He's been around a long time, right? And Rick Jones been a lot of things. And I see Rick Jones locked up, and all of a sudden, Cap had to come with the decision of doing something with Rick because, you know, his counsel that surrounds him once said what you're showing is a sign of weakness, you know, that you got Rick Jones here. You, you What you're going to do, um, Steve, me, Captain America. And um, all of a sudden, it, Rick Jones in front of a firing squad, man, and kills him. Spoiler alert, we didn't read it, but he killed this man. Like, wow. Okay. What, what does he say, Amos, right before that killing? Uh, what did he say? I forgot. What did I he think, say, Brad? I think he said Avengers Assemble. Ah, uh, yes, he did. he did. He did. Dude, that was a powerful scene. I mean, I like what they did, not necessarily, but, I mean, I, it was well done how they did it. Yeah, it, it is. And another thing is that all that happened is, like, you have the underground, like the old the other Avengers with Black Widow, Hawkeye, and and you know what? And and when all this going on, and Hawkeye had his book called Occupy Avengers, and I was reading it and reading the book and everything, and I'm kind of glad they brought up the thing that he did to the Hulk, me and Bruce Banner, and killed. And he mentioned he killed him. Civil War Two. Civil War Two, right? Yeah. I'm like, okay, now they're bringing that up because you know what? I think that was the the biggest cop out they did for Hawkeye killing um, Bruce Banner and Hulk in Civil War Two. I think it was a bunch of baloney. I think it was a bunch of baloney. But anyway, it's it's just so I, far, man, it's it's an okay read. I mean, it's nothing grand about it for me. It's okay right now. And it's gonna be ten issues, dude. Ten. Yeah, they extended it to ten. I, it was nine. There's two problems I have with this book, besides it being political. I mean, if you don't want want politics in your books, don't read Marvel, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hate to say that, but I mean it's the truth. Go read DC. Go read. Uh, pick an image title. Pick an aftershock title. Pick a Boom Studios title. Whatever. Fill in the blank for your publisher of choice. The art, and I never bash an artist because I couldn't put a two stick figures fighting each other. Uh, artists with and with each book is different artists. Well, it's, it's not the art. The art's well done. It's the coloring. Everything is very – it almost looks like the DCEU. Everything's, like, grayed out. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Who is the colorist on the book? Uh, is, it, is it Sarantino Sarantino, or is that the artist? I got the, the book right in front of me. It might be Rod Reese. I Let's never heard he, of him. Yeah, it's different colors. Rod Reese colored two of the books I have here. That was issues three. In issue two, issue one had like Steve McNiven doing the prologue, who's my yeah. all-time favorite comic yeah, right? artist. And I thought he's going to be on more books, but I guess not. Dude, he has yeah. some health problems. Oh, really? I mean, he has had them for a while. I don't know like the circumstances, but that's why I took the original Civil War was really spread out. And you can ask your friend Mark Bagley about this, but uh, 
it, yeah, he was delayed on that book for a long time just because he was actually in the hospital very, very sick. I don't know the circumstances of what it was, but I love Steve McNiven. He is a incredible artist. So, and, and here's my number one complaint again. So I said the art, the color, really, and I talked about it being political. This story is too big, and I don't mean the number of issues, and I don't mean the number of tie-ins. I mean the number of characters. I think the stuff with Steve needs to stay within the context of the people that are closest to Steve. So give me the Tony stuff. Give me the Clint the stuff. guy and Black Widow and Thor. Yeah, I see what you're saying. That stuff's great, right? But whenever you go to, you know, Amadeus Cho Hulk or Miles Yeah, the champions. That doesn't mean anything because they don't have that relationship with with Steve. And I don't mean I'm not trying to demean those characters because they're diverse or or new. They're good characters. I just don't think they fit within the context of this story that well. They're kind of pigeonholed in. Now, yeah, I see what you're saying on that. But then again, you got to look at Miles Morales ultimately on uh, Spider Man. Now, granted, in Civil War II, we had a vision of him killing Captain America. Now, so so that, say, that, that works. That works. Now, who's not to yeah. say they might go back with on that, you know, him killing him? Who knows? I hope. I mean, we'll see. You know, we got 10 issues of this, so we'll see if it happened or not. But I understand what you're saying. They pigeonholed him in there. They put him in there. And I, I, think, I get that. They don't need to get rid of those characters. But they have a problem at Marvel, and it's it's a sales problem because those characters don't sell as well as the traditional characters. But you need to make your line as diverse as possible as well. And, and it's that tough. I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm sorry to cut you off, but that okay. line lies in with the generation story. I mean, um, tag that's coming off off of Secret Empire. And after you have generation, you got legacy. Now, legacy is going to be a fifty-page book, I believe. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think what they are, I'm hoping this. What I'm hoping what they do is just go back to what it used to be. <laughs> yeah. What it used to be. Did you Man, hear what Axel said? Like Axel Alonso, the editor in chief at Marvel, said that that legacy, I guess, is coming out sometime late fall this yeah. year. Yeah. Said yeah. that uh, it's going to break the internet with the return of a character. I'm hoping it's the Fantastic Four, but we'll see. A character, huh? Let me see. Who's been dead for so long? Who's been gone for a while? Let's see. The, the century has been gone for a while. Yeah, century been gone for like three years now. Well, hold on. Yeah, about two years now, I believe, the century. Fantastic Four out, out there with the multiverse trying to put it back together. Let's see who else. Um, Captain Marvel, not Carol, Carol Danvers, but yeah, yeah. I'm going to die of cancer. So who knows, man? I mean, if it's going to break the internet, I hope it does. We'll see. <laughs> so Legacy is basically their DC rebirth. And yeah, I kind of figure that. I mean, you got to, man. You see how much rebirth is selling, man. Rebirth has done pretty well as far as on um, book sales. It's dominating. You know? Yeah, it is. So, I mean, all in all, to me, I'll tell you, um, Secret Empire right now is like, it's not a must read, really. Honestly, it's not. But it's just for just, you know, comic book fan and just want to read what's going on in Marvel. 
I kind of recommend you pick it. I don't recommend you just go ahead and pick it up and read it. But when everything is said and done, it's going to be done hopefully in August. Hopefully we'll get back to some normalcy that's Marvel, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm done with Diverse and everything, but at the same time, man, I, I grew up reading Spider-Man being Peter Parker and Captain America, Steve Rogers, Iron Man is Tony Stark, Thor, Thor is Donald Blake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's what I remember. You know what I remember as a kid reading? So I hope they go get back to that. Secret Empire is not poorly done. They put it's effort not. into it. It's just can you stomach it or not? And honestly, um, Brad, Brad, and I'm reading it panel for panel, man. It's so many bubbles. It is a lot to read. It's Spencer's a, a heavy writer. He is. Nothing against Nick Spencer, man, but he is a heavy writer, man. The way he's writing there is like writing a novel close to a novel, man. You could like you put it out in one like a book, <laughs> like a real novel. And they're double size. I mean, I will say this: I don't like the four ninety nine price point, but they give you a lot of extra book in that, and it's not like bonus story in the back. It's the whole story is Secret Empire. Yeah, and that is yeah, it's worth the five bucks. It's so thick, and it's this been in the making for like three years, I believe, with Nick Spencer. He he's been writing Captain America, Steve Rogers, Captain America, Sam Wilson. He was doing Secret Avengers. He was, he's doing this. So he has everything planned out. So, you know, and th- that's it. So, Brad, what did you give Secret Empire, man? The story, so it's hard. We, we're not at the end. What would I rate the story so far? Yeah. I'd go good and a half, three and a half. I think that it's got a lot of potential, but it's, it's flawed. It's got problems. Right. I mean, it's okay. If you let's say this, there's people that can watch the news. So they turn on Fox News, they turn on MSNBC, they turn on CNN, depending on their political perspective, right? And they they eat that crap up because they just love it and they can consume it and break it down. And then there's the people that just want the updates of what's going on on their phone from CNN. I think if you're one of the people that just wants the updates of what's going on in the world, like you're not heavily invested politically, I don't know if this book's for you. Yeah, I think it's for the people who are I, – I, obviously, I'm a history teacher. I like politics. I'm interested in politics. You but, are interested in politics as well, and we but, don't hate this book. But the thing is so, this. I don't want my politics filtering in my comic books all the time. It's I agree wholeheartedly. It's I do. <laughs> but 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 we know that if you read Marvel, in particular the big events, the politics are going to be there. Now I would say this: this is the only. I mean, me going back on the big events back. It started in two thousand, really, with all the big events year month after month, year after year. This is one of the heavily. It's, it's very heavy in politics in this book right here. The previous events, even Civil War Two, the previous ones, Secret Invasion, Civil War, um, the Siege, Civil War all was those, all about the Patriot Act, though. Patriot Act, right, right, and but then again, you had other ones like I say, Secret Invasion, um, Siege. No, this was done by Brian Bennett, to be honest with you. House Dark, of Victim, Dark Rain, and you know, so and 
this right here is very heavy in politics, like you said, in today's landscape and what's going on. And like you said, it is like 10 times the the naturalism and the all this stuff. It's just crazy, man. So, I mean, I'm, I'm going to keep reading, like I said, and I'm going to finish it up. But hopefully, man, I hope it's a big payoff at the end. You know what it reminds me of, just to kind of close up here on Secret Empire? I don't know if you've watched the Netflix, uh, not Netflix, sorry, Amazon Prime show, Man in the High Castle. I want to see that. It's an alternate history with the Hitler and, of course, the Japanese Empire led by Hirohito. They they won the war. Yeah. And they divide America. There's like a, a middle part that's neutral. The East Coast is controlled by the Third Reich, and the West Coast is Imperial Japan. And it's like, oh, my God, what if this happened? Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that this book's a lot like this with some modern elements tied in. And I can take it. Uh, it upsets me. Like, my wife wants to know what's going on in the news, but if I have the news on, she really wants me to turn it just because she don't want to be stressed out by it. And yeah, and that's the same way with me sometimes too, man. And and I come home, I try not to look at it because I get it on my phone too much. Mm-hmm. I get it on my Facebook feed, I get it on my Twitter feed, and like, ah, I don't want to look at this. So when I get home, I actually do not want to watch the news. I really I don't blame you. <laughs> I really don't. But that's besides the point, you know. Secret Empire, if you want to check it out, I recommend checking it out for just a big event. If you like Marvel, you like Nick Spencer writing politics. Go ahead and read it. Now, to our topic of this podcast. It's Wonder Woman. So, Brad, in our top 10 movies of the summer. Yeah, we both had it on there. I had it on there. And it was up there. It was in my top five. I think it was number two. Yeah. It might have been number two. And you didn't have it in so high on your list. I had it at five. You had it at five? Okay. I had mine close to number one, then you had it on your five. <laughs> so, and Brad, we're going to do spoilers. You know, for y'all listeners out there, we're going to do spoilers and everything because I have to. So, spoilers from here on out, we're good, right? Yeah, we're good with spoilers here on out, man. Okay. You know, don't want to, and you can say what you want to say. So, Brad, what was your take on this movie, man? Did you enjoy this movie? Did you hate this movie? Did you endure this movie? Uh, Did you just cry at this movie? (laughs) There are parts that I about teared up. I didn't cry. I think I can best set this up kind of by telling you my relationship with the Wonder Woman character. Growing up, the only Wonder Woman experience I had was my dad watched the Linda Carter TV show. I did, too. And uh, the reruns, uh, because that was before my time. Uh, I'm 30 years old. I was born in 87. So I was familiar with that, and I saw her on Justice League, Justice League Unlimited. But other than that, she's like a lunchbox character, which is a character I know she's everywhere, but has never had kind of a definitive story. Uh, especially in the movie theater. When I started dating my wife, in particular when we had been dating a couple years, 
Uh, and she saw how much comics meant to be. She said her favorite character was Wonder Woman. And I was like, well, what books have you read? And she's like, I haven't read any. So I started to, as I got my pull list, buy Wonder Woman books or Justice League books that had Wonder Woman in it. And uh, we both been reading the Greg Rucka run on Wonder Woman uh, that is in DC Rebirth. So the fact that this character brought my wife into comics, got her reading comics when she never would have dared have done that if it wasn't for Wonder Woman, it makes me love this character. So, So it's my wife's favorite character. It got my wife in the comics. So my wife was extremely excited for this movie. So we, we went and saw it last Sunday. When I walked out of the theater, I, I was talking to you. I was texting my uh, Andrew, my co-host, and Jerry, other co-host. And, man, I thought this was one of the, the best. Walking out, I thought it was one of the best superhero films I'd ever seen, in particular origin films. We can talk about why later on. But as I've kind of took it in and I've reflected I still think it's. Uh, I'm not going to rate it because I know you'll ask. We'll do that at the end. I still I don't think. Know, I don't know. I'm going to want to rate it right now because I'm going to have to do that later, man. Because there's so many good movies that have been out so far this year for superheroes. And now, when you say later, do you mean later in the year or at the end of the podcast? No, nah, not the end of the podcast. I mean, some. I might do it at the end of the podcast. I was thinking about it on when I was doing it. Because there's so many, like we said, you had Logan Guardians, and you got her, and uh, you know you have these three right here so far, and Spider Man haven't come out yet. Well, I'm saying, and you Thor know, Ragnarok. But, and Thor Ragnarok has not come out yet, so I can't put Wonder Woman up there as as of yet. But we can in the podcast. I would rate it, but I won't put it as my, my top five or ten as of yet. So we could rate it, you know. But I don't think I'm going to put it in my top five or ten yet. See, I have not been wowed by a movie coming out of it uh, like and that since Inception. Really? Yeah, and like what I mean by that, Inception wowed me because, one, I'm the biggest Christopher Nolan fanboy you will ever meet, probably. And it was, two, it was a really unique premise. I've never seen anything like that. It was an original story. You know, we don't get many of those in films these days. But with this, it was not that it was groundbreaking or original. Um, it was that everything was done so well. And, and, and I'm going to tell you this. I'm, I, I kind of agree with you, what you just said. But once I left that movie theater watching Wonder, I'm seeing Wonder Woman, and I was texting, I tweeting, and everything like that. Yeah. And I said to myself, I said, DC has finally got it right. I saw that tweet. They finally got it right, you know, because Wonder Woman has been around for 70, she's um, 74, 75 years, I guess. Uh, yeah. A long time. And for one of their main characters, female characters, finally gets a movie and and she is, is, is well received by the critics and fans. And we leave in that movie theater, man, and the first time watching that movie, and it, I Felt it was hope for Marvel, DC, and and Warner Brothers with their movies coming going forward. But not just you know? hope. I think what makes the movie even better than that is not just hope for WB and DCEU, but the movie gave me hope in general. Like, right, 
this is a compassionate character. She's an accepting character. She's a, an empowered female character. And I, I hate to get political again, but uh, I wrote my review. We all know, especially in American history in particular, this hasn't been the best time for females in this country. Now, it's not pre-19th Amendment or anything, but it's, <laughs> but it's still not the best time. So to have this movie come out at this time, I think makes it an even a, a more special film than if it would have come out in 2013. Right. Right. I see what you're saying. But, but like I said, when, you know, I really, when I left the movie and just, what's her name? Gail Gadot is a Gadot. Gadot. Gal Gadot. Gadot. Gal Gadot. She owns that character. <laughs> That's her. That's I, I, I man. That's Wonder Woman, man. She really put on a performance for Wonder Woman, man. She she made it so believable in the way she portrayed that character with her naiveness or her compassion, you know. For you know, she never never seen a man in her life until Steve Trevor crash land on Paradise Island, who was above average. Above average <laughs> for those who seen the movie Above Average, <laughs> yeah. I just want to say, I think with the compassion. So this character to me in this film is there's three main components. There's the, the compassion, there's the bravery, uh, that she, the compassion, the bravery. And then the other one is kind of the, the naiveness, right? Uh, and, Neither one has done too much. They're all done just right. Because if she's too naive, it's like a fish out of water story that just makes her look like a a klutz. They never do that here. But they never did because you know why she was very well versed in languages. She's just she yeah. was smart. Yeah. And, you know, and she, like you said, she's never been out out of out of Paradise Island. She's been on the island for since she was a child, and she's going out to the world of man. And she see all these things and stuff like that. She's not. She's she's naive in a way. She's smart, and that's the thing. Like you said, she's she's brave, and I I'm, and that's a great combination, man, for a, a a young girl going to this movie and saying like, "Wow, she is something that you look up." You know, she got compassion. She's she's brave. She doesn't back down. She believes in what she believes in. But think about this, Amos. If she would have been too compassionate, critics would have been like, and comic book fans in particular would have been like, "Oh, she's not fierce enough. She's not badass enough. She's." And a, that's the thing. It was she's a nice, soft. It was a nice combination of that. It was even. Exactly. It was even. It, it was not too much of nothing. It was all of us kind of balanced out. And if she's too fierce, they're like, "Where's her compassion?" Yeah. So it was perfect so, with the balance Patty, of the character. I think Patty Jenkins did an excellent job directing that movie, man. And um and also it was kind of cool seeing DC finally got the intro. Like had the intro when they show Marvel. DC finally got an intro, right? And I'm looking at this like, man, it's like the Justice League. The intro, how yeah. how they DC show the logo. Like, it looks like the Justice League um intro. But she, Patty Jenkins did a damn excellent job, man, of directing that movie. See, and come to find out, Warner Brothers did not expect the numbers to be the way they are. 
Yeah. They thought it was an estimate for $65 million, but comes man, if he did $103 million here and did $100 million overseas in two weeks. I don't know if you knew that Patty Jenkins, she directed that movie, A Monster, with yeah, I think Charlize. Theron. And Charlize Theron won like an Academy Award for that role. Yeah, I didn't recognize her in that movie, man. She was beat up. Nice. So, <laughs> yeah, the fact that they brought in a, a director that was able to direct some – well, Charlize Theron's incredible. Uh, we saw that in Mad Max Fury Road last summer. Yep. Um that was a great this is the probably the best director they've had on a superhero movie post Christopher Nolan. And I don't hate Zack Snyder. I really don't. It's not for me not hating Zack Snyder. It's that Zack Snyder really don't understand how to really direct a superhero movie. Cause his take on Superman is not is so so off the pop man, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, Some he's great the- with visuals, man. But yeah, oh, he's incredible with visuals. Visuals, but storytelling wise, just he's not really good at it, man. Some of the best parts of this movie are the little stuff, and it's stuff that was not subtly done in Man of Steel. So, for example, uh, they're walking toward no man's land. Yeah, there's horses that are on the fritz. She comforts those horses, gets them back, and uh, you know, going where they need to go. Go ahead. You can say that's the difference when you said about the horses and everything. The scene when they No Man Lands, when she finally had enough, and she said she's going. That right there, at that moment, when I seen that scene, like, oh damn, man. You're talking about when she goes across no man's land? No man's land, yeah, and they steady shooting bullets at her. And you in, in reality, you seen someone with a shield and ricocheting bullets, I'm like, damn, what the <laughs> you don't stop shooting for a while. I say, Did I really shoot this person? But man, I mean that scene right there was more of a Zack Snyder scene, you know? I don't know if that it it's an epic scene, man. You know, like and I always, when we started our podcast way back in 2013 and the epic review and all that, we always said to be an epic movie, it's not just the movie as a whole needs to be incredible. It's that there needs to be that one memorable scene or line or whatever. And to me, that trench scene coming out across no man's land in France, that was equal to Spider-Man stopping the train in Spider-Man 2 or Batman interrogating the Joker in the Dark Knight. Like, that's I will scene. remember that scene for a long till, – till I die, probably. And then that's the scene. It's in your head forever. It really oh. is. You know what? I was on Facebook the other day, right? And someone That was, was your on, first mistake. Yeah, right? Facebook, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> I was on Facebook, and you know, someone said a top ten movies. And I said, you haven't seen Wonder Woman yet. And he said, I ain't say anything. So someone posted something on there and said, oh, Wonder Woman, it really, it was bad. It sucked. I'm like, what? Wait, wait. <laughs> top 10 movies of all time or top 10 superhero movies? Superheroes all the time. Superheroes. Okay. Right. So he said, and I said, Wonder, have you seen Wonder Woman yet? He said, no. And someone said, yeah, I ain't like Wonder Woman. It kind of sucked. I'm like, what? So I had I went on a rant a little bit. You know how I do it. So I post something on there. I said, oh, are you are you crazy, man? Then, you know, I said, Wonder Woman, right now, so far to me, is one of the best movies 
like it's it's uh, like Dark Knight. It's like it's right after Dark Knight. It's the best movie after Christopher Nolan doing. You know, it's the DC. The best DC universe. movie, right? The movie, best DC. Yeah. So this guy started talking and saying, um. I said, so far, the movies that have been out, Man is Still, I said, sucked. <laughs> Batman versus Superman, and you're going to hate this, was not good at all. That says Suicide Squad. Have you watched the Ultimate Edition? Yes, I did, Brad. It doesn't matter. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, I'm okay. Thank you. This is <laughs> just being Amos, not the <laughs> epic review podcast. podcast. <laughs> so, okay. So, Bad Bad versus Superman, and I seen the director's cut and understand the thing. I still don't care. <laughs> oh, and another, and Suicide Squad is mediocre. And then this guy said, um, yeah, Suicide Squad is compared to something about on par of Fantastic Four. I'm like, oh my goodness, this guy don't know what the hell he's talking about. Wait, so he, was that a compliment or a, a negative? He compared it, man. It was no compliment. I said, dude. You know what, man? That dude was just ridiculous, man. I like, come on, dude. I said, are you are you kidding me? Suicide Squad way better than Fantastic Four. That Fantastic Four was a train wreck. I will say this. I, excuse me. I love Lawrence Fishburne as Silver Surfer. That was badass. Yeah, he had the voice for it, but that's another. Yeah, that's that another was, topic. That's, that's another. Awesome. That's another okay, all right. That's another Wonder Woman, man. Come on. But that's that's what I'm saying, man. Wonder Woman was a. It, it was great, man. I'm. I, I I've been I read Wonder Woman every so often. I'm not a you know a, a big fan of Wonder Woman, but I like what she stands for, you know. And and the thing is, is when they did this movie, man, I was really really excited for this movie because I think there was a movie that really really would break would really really put DC the DC extended universe make it or break it. You know what I'm saying? Because right now she's in Justice League. Which, by the way, Josh Whedon is doing a lot of, a lot of reshoots because Zack Snyder is not finishing it up because of family problems, whatever. And this movie right here, Wonder Woman, man, is actually carrying, I'm sorry, man, it's carrying Batman versus Superman, man, it's the answer. No, 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 I agree. This is by far the best of the bunch. They should build this DCEU around Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. Yes, they really should. And the thing is, and then Jeff John was a part of this. Also, and I yeah. kind of, I'm kind of glad he was part of it, man. That, but that whole trench scene, I just want to go back to that for a second. And Andrew brought this up on our podcast that um, it's the first time you see the Wonder Woman outfit too, because she takes off the little cloak thing, and it really pops in this no man's land. And it is very a symbolic gesture that this strong female character is going across, think about it, no man's land. Right. She gets across. You have a kind of cool, you know, beat them up, punch them up uh, scene in the village over there. But I think what follows in that village that night between her and Steve Trevor and her group of almost like Howling Commando types. Right. um, It's really awesome. Like snow starts falling in France. And just the joy she has, and she, she makes a remark, is this what people do when this war, there is no war? And Steve Trevor's like, yeah, kind of, sort of. And it kind of like, there's another scene with ice cream where she they're on their way to yeah, yeah. Europe. 
And that's from the comic book. That's but. from the comic book, right? I know that's from the comic book, which is kind of cool. That was from the comic. That's from the new fifty-two, I believe. Yeah, that was from the new fifty-two. Um, another thing is that in that scene, well, it's not in a scene, but it's the movie started with action. Honestly, it just started with action, and she got into her her um her um a costume, and like in the first act. You know what I'm saying? With origin movies, they usually like they go like to the tail, almost to the end. And well, get I think I think it was her second act because the first the act, act is the mascara. Right, and the second act is London. Going yeah, to London. Yeah, in France. So, in France, and that usually when they get in a costume, it usually like for origins, man. It it takes a while, but it really didn't in this movie right here. No, it didn't. Um, so let's talk about the three acts. The first act, it, the biggest compliment I can give this film. The first act feels like a Greek mythology film, not a superhero film set in Greek mythology. It feels like a Greek mythology film. The second act feels like a World War One film, not a superhero movie in World War One, a World War One film. But then the third act was kind yeah. of a bit of both. <laughs> I mean, you had the, the third acts where this movie kind of, I don't want to say unravels, but it, it keeps it from perfection, I think. Right. Because of Aries at the end. It's uh, there's some problems there. It's not just Aries. I, I didn't mind. There was a twist where the guy who we thought was Aries, Ludendorff, played by Sam Hudson, wasn't Aries, and it was Lupin from Harry Potter. I think his name Thulus is his last name. Is actually Aries. I think that stuff was cool. I think it was well done. You have the whole thing where they send the mustard gas over to the village they were just at. That kind of punched you in the gut because you just yeah, saw her, yeah, experience the snow there. It just it it went from being like a film that was better than the rest of superhero movies to just being a superhero movie in the third act. Uh, but you know what though, I think you know um, one movie did that did the same thing with the Wolverine, the third act. Wait, which Wolverine? The Wolverine, not Logan. The Wolverine. It went. Is that the second one where they're in Japan? Yeah, the Civil Samurai. Then all of a sudden, the third act got ridiculous. It's not quite as bad here, but it's the yeah. same type of thing. Yeah. So it's I understand what you're saying on that point. But I really um, enjoy the the cast, her supporting cast. Her Howling the, Commandos. Yeah, Howling Commandos. Oh, another thing, too. While I was watching it, you know, when they were going back to the airbase, when Chris Pine got on that motorcycle in the woods, I thought about Steve Rogers, Captain America. Because, <laughs> you know, cause I'm like, okay. And then I thought about the airplane. And I, yeah. damn, Steve Rogers got on the airplane, too. <laughs> you see the correlations there? <laughs> yeah, I do. And I brought, we brought that up on our podcast. Here, I want to, I don't want to put, you and I really like this film. That's fairly obvious. Um, and I don't want to poke holes. Andrew didn't like it as much as we did. And he said he made kind of a point. I don't want to call it a plot hole. This is nitpicking. But why did Steve Trevor have to necessarily sacrifice himself? He he thought it would have been better if Ares maybe killed him when he's in the plane. Because couldn't he have parachuted out? Yeah, I thought the same thing, too. I mean, that's kind of a, a a mini plot hole. Again, we don't know the logistics of it. Now, they make it clear that it's on a timer. It's going to detonate no matter what. 
you know, there's really nowhere he can get it to, like, as far as a body of water, I guess, being close to wherever they're at. Uh, But I I don't know why he couldn't have parachuted out. That is a mini plot hole. Yeah, I kind of agree on that a little bit. But it was it's not too many things I can nitpick about that movie, man. Mm-mm. I was I can't say it's flawless, but it's close to not being flawless. I mean and see that's the thing that's disappointing about this film to me, and there's not much is that if you go on the first and second acts that them is scare and especially the World War One stuff, like it's dark night level, it's a winter soldier level. It's like this could be the best superhero origin movie definitively ever, but it, we get into a, a punch out between Ares and Diana and the stuff with Steve, and it's not bad. It's well done. It's a well done superhero movie, but it doesn't put it above anything that we hadn't seen before. Yeah, you know, I kind of agree with you on that one also, and I, I, I say that. They could have done better with, I mean, not sacrificing Steve, but then again, it he wanted Wonder Woman to get upset and kill them and everything. But then again, she said the word love. Like, and I said to myself, okay, love. And I said, okay, <laughs> I, I get it now. And I mean, I think that was the motivation for her to kick his ass, <laughs> in other words. Yeah. So. Like what do you think of uh, of Robin Wright in the first act? Uh, you know, uh, what's her Antiope? Antiope, Antiope. That's right. Yeah. I really like her as her aunt, her aunt. Which, by the way, she is appearing in Justice League. I guess in flashback. Maybe. Who knows? But then again, if you look at the trailer, it looked like it was the Amazon Am- Amazonians fighting some um, what you call them, parademons. Yeah, parademons. Yeah, it might seem like it was in the trailer too, but who knows? But yeah, she's I think she did a great job as an aunt. Yeah. Well she was badass on that horse with those three arrows, man. Man, dude. I would say this movie has some great fighting choreography, man. Yeah. The 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 shoots they did with the wires and them jumping and shooting the boring arrows and everything. Like that was pretty cool, man. I think that was done very well. Oh, it was done. It was tremendously well done. All the costumes were well done. Like the sets. You know, I heard some people say that this film, I guess they were referencing the third act, felt cheap. I don't think it felt cheap at all. I thought the Themyscira stuff was breathtaking. When we were in World War I, it was like a Saving Private Ryan level war movie. (laughs) I know that's World War II and we're in World War I here, but I mean... It look those trenches look like real World War One trenches, and it really did. Now, are really there? And here's the thing: when you take something like, I'm glad you brought up that motorcycle thing with Steve Rogers and Steve Trevor. To me, I like Captain America: First Avenger, but it felt like a Captain America movie. It never truly felt like a World War II movie, whereas at points this felt like a true World War One movie. What I mean by that, if you remember First Avenger, they sit up the World War II stuff really well, but then they go through almost the whole war in a montage. And it really did. I was kind of that was not. I was kind of disappointed. I thought it was gonna be longer than that. 
yeah. when they did that. It was a montage. I understand what you're saying. But in Wonder Woman, they actually, it was all about World War One. It was all her stopping war. She wanted to stop war. So where was she at in World War Two and the Korean War and Vietnam? Yeah, no, and war. <laughs> that's, that's some points that people have brought up across the internet. I think that's really nitpicking that. I don't care about the. I don't care about that. You know, in the comic books, man, she was um, a secretary and everything like that. But that was during a time that you know. Was that was the forties. Forties, yeah. That one read or late thirties. Nah, no, the forties. You do the math, man. I'm not a math teacher, so it was well, the forties. No, I'm right? sorry, not a math teacher, Brad. But you know what? I don't. Come on, man. <laughs> World War Two started in 1938. I know that. Yeah. And Wonder yeah. Woman was set in World War II. They changed it for this movie. Yeah, they did. Art, I think. They did. I, I will so, say what, what, this. I heard some people nitpicking saying, and this was history nerds doing this, that it was, it was actually the French who used mustard gas first. Of course, it was World War One that introduced chemical warfare with mustard gas. And I, that, you're really nitpicking there. It, it, yeah, but you know what? People, people, people are going to nitpick regardless, man. You know, we nitpick some things, but it's, it's to a point we just stop nitpicking and just enjoy the movie or what it is. You know, it's very entertaining, man. It was it was, it was was a great movie, man, for a leading um, character, the, the female character, a superhero. First time ever. And if you think about it, like all the iconic superheroes, let's just take the Trinity. Batman's had so many movies. Superman's had so many movies. This is the first Wonder Woman movie we've ever gotten. Yes. How many years it took? It took a long 75 time. years. Yeah. That's right. 75 years. It should have been one a long time ago. But, but you know, it, it wasn't ready for that at the time. But this the is way it was worth it. The weight was worth it. The weight was worth it. It was worth it. You're right. It was. You know, it's worth it, man. You know, with what we're living in today, we need something like this. I Uh, left like, yes, I was so hopeful and so pumped up. And I hadn't felt that way coming out of a movie or in general with our political comment in a long time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, I mean, we didn't give too many spoilers for this movie. I'm kind of well, we didn't, but we did, you know. So I'm going to try to end this podcast, um, Brad. And I want you, I want you to give me what what rating would you give this? Your um, rating. I, I'm going to rate it. I confirmed it epic on our podcast and in my written review. I think it's the second best superhero origin movie after Christopher Reeve's Superman. Oh, okay. I totally agree on that too. And someone said the same thing about an origin story. It's close to Superman, but um, Richard Donner. Or I may say, let me rephrase that. If I was ranking superhero origin movies, not to you know to retract what I said, I would probably go Christopher Reeve Superman number one, Batman Begins number two, this number three, and then Captain, and then sorry, excuse me. Iron Man, the first Iron Man number four. To me, those are the four best superhero origin movies. And it's unfair to compare like Winter Soldier or The Dark Knight to this because those 
versions of the characters had already been set up by right. Him. Right. right. Yeah, I can see that. You know, Iron Man was the first for this Marvel Studio yeah. universe. He was the first. Yeah, I, I get that. And Amos, if you remember, like Iron Man, the first act in the in the desert and stuff was perfect. The second act where he's making the suits, perfect. Some of the stuff with Iron Monger, eh, kind of some of the same problems we have here between Diana and Ares. Yeah, you, you find a kind of problem when it comes to those type of movies, with superhero movies, because the first, if it's a, if it's a great, the first and second act are great. It's the third act that really gonna tell you if it is a great movie. <laughs> you know. Can I can I ask you a question? I know this is your podcast, but I, I, I want to ask you this. Go ahead and ask me, buddy. And I put I posed this to my co-host Andrew Stokes out. So I asked, was this a, a transcendent film? So did it have anything that made it rise above like the typical superhero film? And here's my basis for, for that. The Dark Knight is an not just a great film, but it's an allegory on the Patriot Act and surveillance and post 9-11 America. You have the whole machine where he's tracking Joker and sometimes people deserve more than the truth and you know, what people deserve versus what they need, that whole stuff. Same type of commentary in Winter Soldier. Steve has the line, this isn't fear. Excuse me, this isn't freedom, this is fear. Fear, yeah. Yeah, when he sees all the hell carriers and and whatnot. And to me, those are transcendent films because they're not only – like great or epic superhero movies, they're providing like a political and a societal commentary that's even more important than a superhero movie. Yeah, I'd see what you're saying. So I argued that in a way this is a transcendent film. And what I mean by that isn't that, or if it's not transcendent, it's a special film because it's not that it does anything groundbreaking because it really is just a very well done origin story, but it's the female empowerment message and the love message, the at the timing that it's giving where we're at with our political climate. I, I, me, I think it's a special a special movie for what it is for today. Yeah, because of what you said earlier, because of women power empowerment. Um, love and compassion and stuff like that and I think it's a special movie to have as for right now and like you said for what we got going on to today, today's society you know because look here man this character man throughout the years she is she is even without the movie man people know who Wonder Woman is oh yeah right? so with her having this movie out it intensifies that you know now She's internationally, globally. Everybody know who she is now. Now you gonna have girls who want to go see it. You have even even the boys want to go see it. You know, and, and the thing is, that is a good thing. Speaking That's a good of thing boy, to have. a boy is wanting to go see it. I want to say this: Wonder Woman isn't hot. She's. And when I say Wonder Woman, I mean Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, since yeah. that's what we're talking about. She is freaking beautiful. She's beautiful, yeah. I mean, she is somebody whose age is going to stand the test of time. And and what a powerful message it is that you have. She's Israeli. 
And you have yep. places like Lebanon and and whatnot banning this. And it's not because even that she's Israeli, it's because she's a strong female. And we all know how those theocracies treat females in those some of those countries, right? Yep. So I mean I mean what a a great portrayal to have this beautiful lady uh, Gal Gadot who's a great actress who shows compassion, bravery, uh, just I, I love I'm in love with this movie. Right. And I'm in love with this version of Wonder Woman. You don't like BVS as much as I do. I don't hate that movie like you do. No, she, it, you know it's not it's not the hate part of it. It's just like the ridic- it's just ridiculous. Yeah, the, the only the only thing I really enjoyed out of that movie is Wonder Woman. See, that's I'm my point. That's, we can that's both it. agree on that. That's it. The ten or fifteen minutes she had in the movie, she she sold it, man. So she once she got her own, she stole the show. And and when she got her own movie, I'm like, oh, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Even when her theme her theme song started playing, I'm like, oh, there you go. That's my wife's ringtone. That. Yeah, I love it, dude. Yeah, so Wonder Woman, what would you give it? Epic, dude. It's epic. epic. It's confirmed epic. I I don't know. It's not up there with the Dark Knights or the Winter Soldiers to me because those are just, or or even maybe even Spider Man Two. To me, that well, I'm I'm gonna say this. Um, I'm gonna rate it from one through five, and five is the highest. For me, I'm gonna give it a four point five. A great and a half for me. Yeah, a four point five. It could get it could have given a whole five, man. But I think, like you said, that third act it was like kind of seen this before. Is that what kept it from being a five star movie to you? Yeah, because that right there, I, I don't know, man. I wanted to, I wanted, to, I wanted to see an end credit. I seen, man. I wanted one of those post credits, man. I didn't get it. I was not happy on that part. They I'm kind of glad they don't do that, though, because, I mean, that's Marvel's thing. That's true. That's true. But then again, Bruce Wayne, um, not Bruce Wayne, Wayne Enterprise did show up in the first act when she was telling the story. You know, she found the, he, he found the picture of her when she was in World War One. So is, I want to say, I, I hate to cut you off, but I think we need to mention this. They don't shove the DCEU in your face. It's mentioned at the beginning yeah, and the end, and that's it. That's it. But well, we know they're there. I mean, it's there, but yeah, and it is shoving in your face, which is probably probably good for them with them to do. Be yeah. subtle with it. But yeah, but I give it um, four point five. It, I'm, I'm, I want to lean to a strong five out of five. I really do. I really do. You know what? I'm gonna rethink that one more time. I'm gonna give it a five out of five. Okay. What what gave it that bump for you? Is it simply the timing of the female empowerment message, or? Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm a I'm a feminist man. <laughs> Are you a self? We we had a co-host with I'm, us. I'm Josh, I'm Josh Whedon, man. You know I'm like. <laughs> I I love her. Uh, she was a great co-host, and before I could, she taught me how to edit audio and and, the, and stuff. She was a great teacher, and she actually is a teacher, just like me. But her name was Gina Wiltshire. She was on the first 20 or so episodes of our podcast, and she was a self-proclaimed feminist. She would say that. Are you a self-proclaimed feminist? (laughs) 
Yeah, but I'm gonna go ahead and give it a five, man. Because what just is what the last ten seconds will be saying. I'm thinking about it like, yeah, I'm gonna give it a five, man. It's it's one of those great origin stories, man. It's up there with Superman and um, Iron Man, the Captain America, and also up there with the first. I don't say first Batman, Tim Burton Batman. Yeah, yeah Batman Begins, Tim Burton Batman, Spider Man, and O2. Yeah, O2. Those those origin stories. But yeah, I give it a five. Yeah, I give it a five, a strong five, man. Now, when you sent me the outline for tonight's show, you also had in here the future of the DCEU. So do you want to end with that? Yeah, we can end with the DCU. Now, this is what I'm thinking of the future of the DCEU. After the success of Wonder Woman, and hopefully Josh Wheaton can clean up some of the stuff that's in Justice League, we hope. Now that could have already it's, been an epic film. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> and no, he's going to be doing Bad Girl also, Josh Whedon. And um, it, 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 it's it looking promising. As of now, I, I I got a little glimmer of hope with Wonder Woman being so well received and well. I mean, it's done and it's a good movie. I have a little glimmer of hope. At first, I didn't. <laughs> no, like, because I get always gripe about Batman versus Superman and Man of Steel. But hopefully, after this and Warner Brothers finally figuring out, well, this movie is did well, you know. And also, this movie had humor in it. But not too much. It didn't come not across as campy. Yeah, it did. Not too much humor, but it was the right amount, amount of humor in this movie, you know. You can't beat Marvel because Marvel ain't always a human in their movies, you know. But it had just the right amount of humor at the certain scenes that it needed to be. And that right there really was different for a DC film. So I'm I'm hoping they can learn from this and take notes from this movie and move forward forward and have, you know, better product, man. That's what I think. Now, I think this is it goes beyond even that. I think that since this movie was so well received, the critical review, the fans' thoughts on it, the money it's going to make and has made, I think it's going to usher in a lot of female-led superhero movies. I mean, I know we have Batgirl, like you said, and Captain um, Marvel. Um, this uh, Gotham, Gotham City Sirens. I yeah. forgot about that. I think Harley Quinn. maybe Harley Quinn movie even. Uh, I think they'll maybe push that more and I think that will be a good thing. Um so that kind of like how uh Deadpool was successful so you got Logan, another R rated movie. And they're, they're trying to do X Force after that and um something else. I hope Justice League's at least a good or a great because there's so, people like me have and you I'm sure have waited their whole life to see the Justice League movie. Yeah, because they were talking about Justice League way back in 2000 or something, man. At the time, then when Christian Bale was name was brought up and the stuff, and it just there was that script with the guy. I think his name's George Miller, who directed Mad Max, was gonna right. do, and then there was that writer strike. So yeah, Justice League has been teased us for a long time. If there's anything, give us hope, DC. That's what we want. Yeah, hope. I, I well, would love know, to see a Man of Steel too that has hope in it. Well, you know what, Jeff Johns is is involved right now. Okay, and speaking of that guy, you know, um, Jeff Johns and what Kevin Feige 
I'm saying that right? Feige. Feige. Uh, those two guys used to work on the Richard Donner. But they did um, Superman. I didn't know that. Yeah, he did Superman. I think he did Lethal Weapon. I mean, he's a legend. He's a legend. So those two guys right under him, man, like, that is so cool, man. That is so cool. But so, yeah, I think moving forward, I hope they give us a little bit of hope for their films. And like I said, man, Justice League, oh, God. Let me ask you something. Aquaman, right? Okay. Yeah. Now, Aquaman has Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa, okay. The character, right? He has a trident, right? Excuse, he has what? Repeat that. I lost you. The trident. You know, yeah. his spear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His weapon. His weapon. So the trident is what? Three, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. Trident so has three, like a tricycle. Yeah, that's yeah, mean three, right? So why he has five? It's like, point, it's just like. You know why he has five? Because it's Zack Snyder, baby. <laughs> that's why. That's too much, man. Too much. If it was uh, Michael Bay, he would have like thirty. <laughs> An explosion out yeah, behind it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, but well, like I said, I hope the future of DC, the extended universe, could do. I mean, do better. I, I will the- say this. I just want to close with this. As far as DC EU, <clears throat> I like the fact that they are more grounded and a little bit darker than Marvel. Because I think if they just tried to be Marvel, they would not differentiate themselves enough and they would get some hate for that. Now, that doesn't mean don't have humor in your films. Have humor. But they can never be Marvel. So be your own thing. Which is a good thing for them to do. Yeah. It really is. but Because Marvel, they have to have humor in their stuff. But don't leave... Like Marvel have the Netflix series, man. That's darker than their movies, you know. They kind of have their cake and eat it too, right? They really do, yeah. So they got both, honestly. Yeah, on the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you got the humor in the Netflix series. You got a little bit, but not as much. But it's it's dark. <laughs> so so that's 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 what I think about the uh, DC uh, Extended Universe. So Brad. It's always a pleasure, man. Always a pleasure being on the podcast. This was fun. Always. So how can people reach you through your social media handles? Man, I'm at so many different places. Uh, I tweet every day at the real Brad Bell, the R-E-E-L Brad Bell. Uh, I'm going to be doing episode 65 of the Confirmed Epic Podcast tomorrow. We got the icons of Cinema Summer Showdown, so we're moving to the 1970s. And we're also going to be reviewing The Mummy as well. So that should hit probably Sunday night, maybe Monday morning. So look for that at THEpicReview, theepicreview.com, and DGWW, uh, TheGeeksWorldwide, DGWW.com. And I'll be at HeroCon, Amos, in Charlotte, and you'll be there too, right? Yes, no doubt. You know I will. You know I'll be there. I haven't missed a year since I've been going to eight years. Father's Day weekend. So you and I have two shows we have to do, okay? We're going to do a Heroes Con recap episode. That can, We'll do that on just being Amos. How's that sound? That sounds that sound good by me. But you have to then come on my podcast, the Confirmed Epic Podcast, and review Transformers 5. 
Oh, oh, oh my goodness, man! Why are you gonna put that and put me on the spot like that? Why you do that, dude? I'll send seven bucks to your PayPal if you'll do it. <laughs> I'm gonna see it. I'm, I know I'm gonna see. It. You have to give me my PayPal account. I'm gonna see it. Okay. All right. All right. Now, <laughs> so y'all heard that, right? So I'm going to see it, and once I see it, I'm going to pull my hair, grinding my teeth, pulling fingernails and whatever. But you can catch me on uh, most of my social media handles at Just Being Amos, um, Instagram, Twitter, and also on Facebook. And also go check out JustBeingAmos.com. And also check out my podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. And I hope I hope everybody had a good time listening to um. Brad and myself. Uh, well, I'll talk to you later. Peace. Just be an animus.